the kid bj armstrong and today we have a very special guest our coaching correspondent himself coach brendan sir we're so happy to have you back on the program coach and uh i'm ready to get into all the finals talk but first we, we just want to say welcome back to pushing through and uh, thank you for giving us uh some more of your time appreciate it thanks i'm excited too we're finally in the finals of the bubble thank god I know. It, it, it seems like basketball in the bubble has been going on for uh, almost a year at this point. But like you said, we have two teams, uh, and they're, they've never played each other in the playoffs before. So we got the Miami Heat, we got the Los Angeles Lakers, and we got a lot of storylines. But before we get to the preview of that series, Coach, I just wanted to kind of you know double back a little bit, talk about what we saw in the Celtics and the Heat. Um, is that kind of wrapped up? And uh, maybe we just start there. You know, Game 6 happens last night. We, we see those two teams kind of battle it out. The Heat uh, down the stretch with Andre Iguodala, they're able to figure out and move on to the finals. But is there anything that, that stuck out to you, particularly in that game or that series, uh, that you say, hey, that, that kind of defined what we saw there? Well, we had two of the, you know, you know, really good young coaches in the league. Yep. Uh, you know, and I think what we saw was uh, both guys, you know, pretty innovative. They both play small ball. Uh, but I think what we saw is Eric Spolstra – you know, coming out of the Pat Riley tree, uh, very physical, man-to-man, aggressive defense when he was in New York and Miami. All of a sudden, now they're coming out and they're playing zone for like three-quarters of a game, half a game. I thought it was a real difference maker. And I think what it did is it kept, you know, Austin out of pick and rolls, slows them down on the break. Um, and you know what? you got to make shots. And if you don't make shots, you're in trouble. And at the end of the game, you know, that's exactly what happened. I thought, you know, unfortunately the Celtics kind of panicked and uh, you know, at the end when they got down and, you know, unfortunately it was a good series though, because I think uh, we saw really two really good teams, really well-coached teams and teams like we did against Denver and LA teams that really competed And it's a real testament to them after all those days, about 80 days plus in the bubble to compete and play that hard. Mm. You know, you know, coach, uh, technically speaking, I want to ask you a very technical question. The Boston Celtics brought the effort and energy. I thought to win that game in game six, I thought they played hard. I thought the players were in tune to whatever the game plan was. And when they went up six, late in that ball game last night. What did you see from a coach's perspective that allowed Miami to win the game? And what did you see that maybe the Boston Celtics could have done a better job? Because I really felt at that point of the game that they were right where they wanted to be in a game six uh, playing uh, to try to get a game seven there. What did you see? You you played in a lot of big playoff games and the small little things can just turn in a heartbeat. And I thought they had two guys really emerged at the end. Uh, You know, Tyler hero has been absolutely incredible for a rookie big time shot maker, made a couple of huge shots, but then the guy that was the MVP in the uh, 
Eastern Conference, you know, finals. I don't even know if they have one, but I gave them one last night, of course, with <laughs> fan. Yes. Absolutely incredible. Uh, the development of this player has been absolutely incredible. I mean, I think, you know, the guy went, did, what did he go, 14th in the draft or something? Yep. You know? mm -hmm. And for him to be picked down there, he's a, he's a one, two, three lottery pick. You know, he's an NBA all-star. So, A, that's excellent drafting, but B, they drafted a player they loved for some reason. And the, and the reason they liked him was, frankly, you couldn't see it at Kentucky. You loved his motor. You saw that there. You loved how hard he played. You loved how he, you know, competed every play and how he rebounded um, block shots. But you didn't see, obviously, a 6'9 guy with the players that they had, you know, Jamal Murray and the others there bringing the ball up to court and handling the ball like he did. I, it's amazing how his skill level. I, I mean, I'm just amazed by it. And uh, I can only imagine. Oh, I don't know if I we've ever had a real point center in the league, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, and that's really what he is. I mean, Jokic, you know, can bring the ball, he can really pass the ball, but this guy's got big time speed and excellent ball. And he's an excellent passer also. So we had, you know, you know, really great, you know, young, big in that game. And I think he was the difference maker. And coach, I have to point this out. So you mentioned the heart that we saw. I mean, I remember in uh, 2017, Luke May for North Carolina hits the shot against Kentucky. After that game, De'Aaron Fox and Bam Adebayo, they're crying in the locker room because of how much that game meant to them. And that said a lot about, you know, what, you know, what they took on their chest as players. And then at summer league last year, Bam Adebayo was the point guard for the Miami Heat. So he was bringing the ball up. And uh, that, that, that kind of threw me for a loop because I remember him in high point. He was sort of uh, referred to as a traditional big is what most people thought he would be but you see his handles you see him running the point guard position but on the other side how do you guard a point center right a guy that can get a rebound and start the break well you don't and and if you noticed uh every game daniel thies fouled out mm -hmm. <laughs> every yep. single game and then yep. you have Cantor can't guard him of course and so i mean it was amazing but i think you know our, our friend old reliable andre Iguodala, you know <laughs> um, you know six straight times in the finals you say well that's you know that's luck he goes on golden state and stuff but there's a reason you want a guy like him on the team because he defends but the thing about you know iggy is he's not a shot maker but last night he was and when that yeah. guy makes shots you know you have no shot <laughs> literally right, right, right. <laughs> you have no shot when he's making threes uh, but again you know uh, just you know Pat Riley and his staff are some, they really know how to put it together a team that fits them. It's not an all-star team, but they knew that they needed, and I, this is meant as a compliment, a dog, you know, and a guy when they, when they were able to do a sign and trade with Philly <laughs> to get our guy in there and boy, does he compete. And when he competes, he's damn good. And on mm -hmm. the nights off, those other guys, they got, can hang in there. So, I think, you know, they really, you know, you know, Jim, when Jimmy plays, Jimmy is really good. But these other guys, they know how to work around him now. And Eric Spolster, you know, his personality is fantastic for that group. And that's, mm. that's so important. You know, he's got a great coaching style and he's put, you know, a staff around him. But the, he doesn't play it at all like any of Pat's teams. And for Pat a lot, to allow him to not put his finger on Eric, and allow him to develop as a coach speaks volumes. Mm. You know, to, yeah, I'm sorry. Like he didn't try to put it in a triangle like Phil did, you know, right. and, and I love Phil, 
But, you know, when he went to New York as an executive, he wanted to play the triangle where Pacha said, get these guys to compete, be the best condition and nastiest team, et cetera, in the league. That's what they had. Mm. You know, Coach, I, I, I definitely before we start talking about the, the finals here, the Heat-Lakers series, I want to ask you about two things that we've seen over and over again is how to guard against saying our future is bright. And when I listen to Kimball Walker's press conference and I listen to the Denver Nuggets press conference, right, all those players are young and they're like, well, our future is bright. Clearly, I think they're insinuating that they're going to get back there again and possibly even further. You and I have been around to know that sometime that doesn't happen, <laughs> right? <laughs> you, you have to maximize every opportunity. So before we move forward here, how do you guard when you were coaching a team like that that were young? You know, before the Pistons got over the hump, before you know I played on the Bulls, before we got over the hump. How do you guard against that if you're coaching those groups? Because the 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 Boston Celtics, they're young. They're like, well, we'll be back next year. Denver, they're like, well, they're just having fun right now. But you and I know it's tough, and you yeah. may not ever get back here again. You know, Golden State's going to come back in the league next year too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> year off, right? And and now they're going to be back in the league with Steph, Clay, the second pick in the draft, right? You know, with the ability to trade that, and a pretty darn good coach, and so. They're going to be back. The Clippers, they can't believe they lost still. Yeah. Right. So, you know, they're looking and saying, how did we ever lose a 3-1 lead? And then we'll be back in normalcy with hopefully home court advantages now. And as you know, it's a big damn difference playing on the road in the playoffs. Man. Big Coach, can you just give me a little bit? I mean, I, I we're going all over the place. But this playing at home and playing in the bubble to me, and I'm not taking away anything that has been done in the bubble, but it's hard for me to believe that these guys would be shooting the ball and playing this well on the road, like mm -hmm. they're playing right now in the bubble. No, I mean, you know, it's like, you know, when you were growing up in uh, Detroit, you know, you had a place where you played as a kid every day and you knew the baskets. These guys have played on the same court or two mm -hmm. every day for three months. Yep. Okay, so you know those baskets, you know the rims, you know where the out-of-bounds lines, everything, there's no one there when you take the ball out of bounds to grab your pants or shorts, you know, and stuff, no one cussing you out, spilling beer on you and stuff like they do in Detroit and Chicago. Right. Back in the day. And, uh, but so, but the hostile environment, you know, when, when we used to come and coach in the old, you know, old, old Chicago stadium, it was old, and, <laughs> but when that noise of that building got going, when we had a timeout, our players could not hear one word we said to them. Not one word. That's how loud and deafening it was. I've never experienced that anywhere. Anywhere. That's how loud that building was. Here, you know, there's nothing. The problem is you can hear everything that's being said on the court there. Except, right. But I think it'll change. But regarding, um, you know, I, I think Isaiah taught me really well is that you, you only – the future is now only, okay? Yes, that's right. You know, there is absolutely, I mean, Denver has four free agents. Yep. yep. Uh, you know, and there's, you know, I would say two of them minimum will be gone mm -hmm. um, because they're not frankly good enough. They don't have any money. They have 29 million to split, split between four players and they better pay Jeremy Grant a little bit, 
right? A little bit. Right. So, I mean, so just that alone. Um, but we both know injuries enter into everything. And the only thing that's that you can say about a team is we've been there before. There's no guarantee of anything moving forward. So I think in both teams' cases, I'd be surprised if we saw them back. I really would. Really? I, really? And I, and I really like Denver, and I think Mike Malone has been extraordinary. I love Murray. I love Jokic. But, you know, I mean, depending on the matchups, they could get knocked out easy next year and not make it to the finals by the Clippers or the Lakers or mm -hmm. Golden State. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, so there's no guarantee they're getting back to the conference finals. Forget the championship game, you know. So and Boston, they don't know they don't have a center. And so, you know, and, you know, they're just, you know, I mean, Milwaukee, you know, I mean, somehow they're going to figure it out. Right. And at some point, hopefully. And so, you know, I would be shocked if they don't play better next year. That's just me. And you talk about the. uh the, the unique setting, right, that we have here, there's no beer being spilt on you. There's no fans yelling at you. There's no uh, of those momentum moments, however, however much you want to roll your eyes. Momentum, that plays, a, you know, some some sort of factor in all that stuff. But from a coaching standpoint, having the players on your bench be the cheerleader, you know, the, the fans, um, and being able to manage that whole situation, I feel like Spolster's done a really good job with that. You see Myers Leonard, who's sort of like a designated fan. Udonis Haslam, who steps into the huddle, you know, in game five and kind of gives those guys a talking to. From that perspective, is it unique to see the coaches trying to handle the sidelines because they have to almost have cheerleaders and guys who need to be ready to go in and jump into the game? Absolutely. Hey, we'll never see it again. Mm-hmm. We'll never see it again. And you know, Donis has them probably after 20 years, will probably stop, you know, and become an assistant coach. And then they won't listen to him when he's a coach. <laughs> <laughs> but I love you, D. Love him. And uh, Myers Leonard, I got to give the guy credit. He has been a spectacular teammate during this whole thing. Yep. And a lot of guys could get pissed off that they're not playing and stuff like that. The energy on most of these teams has been off the charts. And I give them a lot of, a lot of props for that. But I, I, and I congratulate everyone the way they played. It is, I can't believe how hard it is. But the thing that really didn't happen is I thought when teams got down in the bubble 2-0 that they would just quit. Yeah. And we didn't see that. And I, and I give those guys, the players, the competing, a tremendous credit for that. Mm. You know, Coach, have you ever been in a situation where you're coaching and you've been in a situation and you're down 2-0 and you see – a look on those guys say we can't beat this team has that ever uh, happened oh yeah has that ever happened to you yeah before? when i was just starting out in the league with atlanta you know and then you play philly or you play philly with dr j mm -hmm. and those guys in cheeks and andrew tony or you play uh you know boston you know where they got everyone in the hall of fame is playing on the court you know <laughs> i remember when we were playing and they had you know you know parish mikhail bird Cornbread Maxwell was a six man, you know, and, you know, Ainge and Dennis Johnson, Casey Jones is the coach. And, you know, and we had Mike Fratello and I were coaching the Hawks. And I said, the only where the only place we have an advantage is our trainers better than theirs. I think, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, every spot they beat you in. and, 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 you know, to go seven games with a team like that, just, you know, it's amazing. But, but when you have to go for game seven in Boston garden, it's a little different than playing in the bubble. Right. You mm -hmm. know, right. Yeah, I mean that that that's a fun one, you know. But I think it, it it's great that our league got back, and I think to have a team that you know, I think Miami finished fifth, 
regular yep. season. And we had the Lakers who finished first. I think it's great. I'm happy the Lakers are back. I think it's great for basketball, great for LeBron. I think his legacy is, you know, he and Michael are getting etched up there right now. I mean, to do what he's done, nine out of ten years, uh, three different teams, the only player ever to do that, tremendous, tremendous accolades to him. Coach, mm-hmm. where, where mm-hmm. I mean, look, you've seen a lot of players. Where, where do you have this LeBron James – you know, by the way, Danny Green has done the same thing. I don't want to go – I don't want him to – you know, he's been to the finals with three different teams as well. Mm-hmm. Don't – you know, let's not let's not forget Danny Green here, you know. I Only did, a pushing I, through I, can I you get information like that. <laughs> <laughs> Wasserman wants to represent him. I, was, yeah. <laughs> I just – hey, 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 we just want a fact check here. We just want a fact check here. Uh, but, no, also – this a good guy. And, yeah, and, yeah. And a good guy and you know a difference maker because he defends and he makes open shots and stuff like that and he's a good veteran to have on a team so you know and those guys are really key pieces when you have two superstars like ad and lebron to then have guys like rondo i thought has been fabulous yes. rondo has been see, rondo has been when you say a guy is you know working his minutes mm-hmm Rondo is working his minutes right now. I mean, he is, he's locked in. I mean, he's really, he knows what his job is. He comes in, does his job, manages the team. And uh, I think he's really been the key uh, thus far. You know, but every guy, you know, we, we, we talk about it, you know, the Lakers, you know, like have 15 players in their team and they have two stars. Okay. Which is st- superstars, top five. No team had very few teams if that, you know, only, you know, and I don't even think the Clippers have two top fives. I would you know, agree. I, I don't put, I don't put Paul, you know, there. Uh, so to have two top fives, so you have 95% of your team are role players. And to get the role players to, to play that, that's a credit to the coaching staff and a credit to those players to buy in because they believe in that. So, you know, I got to give all those guys. Rondo is a playoff guy. He shows up and plays and competes. Dwight Howard's played the best he's played all year. Yes, he has. Yes, he has. And I mean, people don't, you know, I think don't appreciate Caruso, but, you know, I played against him when I was at LSU and he was at a- Texas A&M. And he's really a good player. He he's is. a really good player and he's incredibly smart. And and I think, you know, it, they all fit. And that's the key. And, and, and the thing I got to give LeBron credit for, and you know this, BJ, about playing with Mike, is when the superstar, when he accepts the role players for what they bring, that makes everything easy. So, you know, LeBron all year has accepted what Caruso brings to the table. He might come in and just move the ball, make an open shot, et cetera, guard his man. And so, but he values that, LeBron. And so I think that's how you set the tone, the way your superstars treat everyone. And I think that's been really the success from day one is LeBron is brought into Frank Vogel and his staff. And I think then you can coach. It's mm-hmm. easy to coach when your best player in your team buys in. Mm-hmm. And you have Hall of Famers, like you said, like a Dwight Howard, who will probably be a Hall of Famer, buys in to be a, a role player in the sense, right, for this team. A guy like Rondo, who, you know, when he was in Dallas, you know, a lot of people wrote him off and said that he was done. And then he comes back on the other side of this and buys in and buys into a championship team. 
the the question I have, Coach, and I've seen this a lot in the media, um, and I always like to ask two basketball minds that I have here in front of me. People are saying that Pat Riley and Eric Spolster they know LeBron. Um, so therefore they have some sort of, you know, unspoken advantage as they go into this finals because they quote unquote know who LeBron is. How much weight can we put into that as a coach of quote unquote knowing a player? Um, and, and is that really an advantage or is it more of a, uh, a talking point for the, for the media types like myself? Talking point for media types like yourself, but perfect. That's but, good to hear. <laughs> but, but yeah, they know him, but you know, I knew Michael Jordan inside out because we played against him. 50 times, a hundred yep. times. Yeah. But he still kicked your ass. Okay. <laughs> you know, I know him. I know, but I'm not guarding him. Neither is Eric or Pat. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I think that's the thing. The one thing you do know about LeBron is he's going to bring it every game he plays. Okay. Yep. So you might say, Hey, we're going to make him make outside shots. Great. But he might make outside shots. You know, the thing about it is they know him. This is not a coach's game. When you get to the finals, it's really a player's game. And I think BJ would agree with that. You know, we try not to screw it up as coaches, but it's going to be, it's all going to be one between the the lines, in my opinion. Quick break to get a word from our sponsor, DraftKings. Week three of football is in the books, and now it's time to review the tape and get ready for week four. There is no better place to get in on all the action than when DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. To add to the excitement of Week 4, DraftKings Sportsbook is bringing back their can't-miss offer. If you haven't tried DraftKings Sportsbook yet, head to the App Store now because you don't want to miss this. DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new users the chance to turn $1 into $100 when they bet on any team. That's right, you can place a $1 bet on any team, and if that team wins, you cash a cool Benjamin. How could you pass that up? Don't worry if football isn't for you. DraftKings is giving all the basketball fans a 200% profit boost on any basketball market once you sign up. DraftKings is safe, reliable, and secure, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your own convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code LASTDANCE when you sign up to get this can't-miss offer. Pick any team during week four, bet $1 on them, and win $100 when you use promo code LASTDANCE during sign-up for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. Private boost terms and conditions and eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Back to Coach Sir. Technically speaking, where is LeBron James right now? As far as all of the players you and I have seen, all the players you've coached against, where is LeBron James on this this ladder right now, what he's been able to achieve? Because it, it truly is incredible to watch him play in year 17. That's that's the point. The, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's, you know, hey, my, my love for Michael as an opposing coach, is um, there's no one I, have, I hold higher. But... This Mike took time off, you know, et cetera. Mm-hmm. This guy, no time off. And so 17 years, and he started earlier than Mike. <laughs> Plays the most minutes of anyone in the league just about, right, every year. Uh, so uh, I'm, I'm going to go now as high as Mike is 1A and he's 1B. Mm. Because I really don't like to compare generations. That's right. That's right. You know, I mean, not, right. we, we both know and appreciate – I do because you just read about him as a kid, Jerry West, you know, but you know, Jerry was incredible, never coached against him, but I saw him on TV, but he was a heck of a player, but could he play against Mike? Who knows? We don't know, but his game was incredible. Larry Bird, I hold up 
so high. Yep. Uh, you know, but I, I'm putting them at one A, one B. And to go to ten straight finals obviously says a lot about where you are in, in an echelon of basketball conversation. You know what I mean? And and, and you've done it in Cleveland on two different occasions. Mm-hmm. Right. Miami was a setup, right? I mean, you know, you put three really great players together. You've got great coach, et cetera, but a great young coach in Eric at the time. But he has great players around him. But then all of a sudden, you know, when you go to L.A., the way they played, you say, oh, man, this might have been a mistake for him. Yeah. And, you know, they get A.D. And, you know, they trade all the young players away. And for them to become a finals team, they all deserve credit. And both those franchises go from, you know, lottery laden franchises over, you know, they were basically back into the lottery, like heroes there, Bam's there. The Lakers are taking Brandon Ingram, you know, Lonzo Ball, all those guys. And then they transfer into, you know, finals teams right now. And obviously, you know, you sign a LeBron, you trade for Anthony Davis, you sign and trade for Jimmy Butler. You see how the pieces all come together, but it's still a kudos for those teams and those franchises to get to this point in time. And you mentioned the players are going to determine the series. I want to ask about small ball because that's going to be the the real big phrase that we see. And Jokic was sort of taken out of the last series by foul trouble. You know, Dwight was thrown at him. JaVale is thrown at him. AD's going at him. And, you know, it felt like every third quarter he had four fouls, you know, with eight minutes to go in the third quarter. When you look at the Heat, they have Bam there at the five. And then in this last game, Spolstra had, you know, Andre Iguodala playing a small ball five. He was basically the six foot seven Bam when Bam was sitting on the bench. Do the Lakers front line from a player perspective, is that what they're trying to do? They're trying to get Bam in a similar situation as Jokic? Well, I, you know, I, the thing I think you, you got to worry about is don't try to overcoach. You know, yep. uh, Dwight Howard has now earned a shot to go in there and get his ass kicked maybe by Bam, but he's going to try to beat him up first. Yep. You know, and 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 frustrate him, you know, pick up a foul or two, uh, hurt him on the offensive boards, things like that, set some tough illegal screens. He's he's become he's become a, a, a you know a more athletic Rick Mahorn in his late stages now. It's <laughs> a great comparison. He, he, he's a bad boy now, the way he plays, you know. Uh he never played like this when he was in Orlando. And so he's really I thought he was out of the league, frankly, you know, and then you know, bam, they gave him a shot. And now, and now he's earning, he's earning it. And he opted out of not playing in the bubble. And then all of a sudden he opted back in. Right. And I think it's going to determine who he is. Uh, but, you know, I, I just think, uh, I think we're going to see Miami play a ton of zone. To really? Neutralize LeBron and AD to keep on the outside. Because they get, their mismatches. Who can guard LeBron? No one. Tyler Hero, none of those guys. Iggy can't guard him, you know. Mm-hmm. Not now, not at his age. So, yeah, yeah, they can throw bodies like Solomon Hill and Jimmy and yeah, Iggy. But Solomon yeah, Hill? It- <laughs> I, even, I haven't seen that. Before. But I, I think what we're going to see, I think, is them playing zone and encouraging them to try to beat him from the outside. Mm-hmm. Man to man, I don't think they can play with him. So that, that, and then I think they'll, you know, they'll try to see how they're going to guard some of their pick and rolls and their dribble handoffs, which is what, you know, they did. And uh, Frank Vogel has done a good job of being aggressive and trapping some pick and rolls and to see if that, you know, bothers their guys, their shooters coming off. So I think that's the coaching part that you're going to see, frankly. But 
Uh, and I think officiating is going to come into it. I really do. You know, I think if LeBron keeps going to the basket, every time he goes to the basket, he seems to go to the foul line. You know, so we're going to see a lot of that. And I think, you know, I think that's that's a big factor. I'm not saying that, you know, I think, but I think officiating does play a factor because there's only so many great players on the two teams. So if AD or LeBron get in foul trouble or if Bam, Jimmy, uh, uh, you know, or those, uh, Tyler here, those guys get in foul trouble. It really makes a huge difference. I think they don't have that depth. Mm. You know, you know, coach st- strategically looking, you're, you, you've coached in these moments many a times you're in the finals, you're Eric Spolstra now. You're looking at your team. Obviously their confidence is high strategically. Give us a thing or two that we can look at that. You say you would, emphasize going into this finals if you're coach Spo, and then let's go to the other side the lakers your coach vogel what would you try to do as you're going into the the nba finals here yeah both both teams i'm trying to i'm trying to run off of uh opportunity by that i mean uh steals block shots rebounding I'm trying to get out and get some easy baskets. So the first thing you're trying to do is establish your defense. My defense has to be established because if I'm trading baskets, I'm in trouble. I, you know, you can't let them become shot makers. Uh, if I'm the Lakers, I'm going to try to win with my defense. Cause I think that's what they've done all year. I'm also going to try to win if they're playing man to man by really going inside and not settling for outside shooting against man-to-man because of the size advantage. Uh, But if they're playing zone, not to take the first open shot, make three or four passes, the middle is going to be wide open. You still have to get the ball inside against the zone. And so I think many of the NBA teams don't know how to attack zones. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think so that that's the big thing, uh, because if you just stay on the perimeter, you're really helping out at the pro level, a zone defense. So I think that's what, you know, we're going to be LeBron and AD. They almost have to be inside against zones because then the zone's going to be inside collapse a little bit and it's going to allow Danny green and those guys to be wide open shooters. So I think that's one of the things. And I think from uh Spolster's part, you know, one of the things that he's done is he's just, he's just, his teams ooze with confidence because he tells them to just go out, relax, move the balls, you know, and when you have an open shot, don't pass it up, take Mm -hmm. it, you know, and I think that's really been helpful for them. His team plays very loose and free. And just that, that, you know, that charisma, that, you know, whatever you said, the confidence that Spolstra is able to exude. I mean, I see all the headlines today and they say Eric Spolstra is the best coach in the NBA, right? Because he he had slayed, you know, Brad Stevens, the young genius that everyone loved. These are these are the media takes on this. But what specifically does Spolstra do? You say he doesn't coach like Pat Riley teams um, that we've seen in the past. But, but is it that ability to kind of, you know, make adjustments in game um is that why he's so different or is it just that confidence he's able to instill in his team i I think you know and you know both the people in los angeles new york and miami know pat had incredible presence on the sideline Mm -hmm. you know he's you know six four six five you know nba player you know uh with the great clothes and the great looks and he just he just was able to stand over that and he had control of the game 
and whether his team was fast breaking or they're playing that physical type of defense, he was in control. Eric's just a guy that I think really fits his own personality. He doesn't try to be anyone. He tries to just be Eric Spolstra and that's good enough. You know, he, he has very quiet confidence. He's the one probably, we have a lot of humility in the coaching in the NBA. And I would say he's right there as the most humble coach in the league. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a great quality in the NBA because players don't want so, college coaches. It's all about them. Yes, the system. It better not be about them right? <laughs> yep. uh, because it's about the players. And I think what he does is he empowers them, but they know if he calls a timeout or tells them to run something, they're doing it. If not, he has no problem sitting their ass down and putting someone else in. And that's what you have to, without yelling or screaming, they fully understand him. And we use a saying, Tate, that, you know, to, you know, the big word always in sport or business is to get buy-in. And the only way you get buy-in is if the people that you work with in any field believe in, and I think they believe in him unequivocally. Mm. Mm. That's a great point. You know, no, Coach, you, 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 you talk about, you know, what you just said, and then let's take it one step further. You hear this word, this buzzword now, culture. Everyone, <laughs> culture. Mm-hmm. What does that mean, Coach, in today's game? Well, I, I, I think, you know, it's identity, BJ. I think, you know, the identity of your team. And so, you know, I think they have, both of them have unique identities. I think we have the Lakers, which have become, a very hardworking team, a very defensive-oriented team that's centered around two stars that on a given night, those two players, LeBron and AD, can be the best defensive players on the court. That's highly unusual. And that's really what you had with Michael and Scotty. You know, when you, when you have your best players be great defenders, that changes everything. Because now you ask the rest of the guys to defend. Well, if the two best players can defend, then you better defend also. And I think with Eric's team is he is his, their identity and it's, you know, their, what their kind of their value system or their mission statement has been in Miami since Pat arrived is, you know, we're going to be the best conditioned team in the NBA, which is something you can control. That doesn't require talent to be that. We're going to be the hardest working team, which is another thing that has nothing to do with talent. Uh, We're going to be the nastiest team nothing to do with talent uh, team, but the most together team. So they've taken four things to be their mantra that have nothing to do with talent, but all have to do with yourself. So if you're not the best condition, that means you're not working. If you're not nasty, that that means you're not going to play because you're not. And then when you have a guy like Jimmy playing like he plays, nasty is like his middle name. So I think (laughs) that's another thing. And I think, you know, they took a guy that wasn't starting a lot in Drogic, and all of a sudden he's been a fabulous playoff player. Yeah. Oh, wow. I mean, just, I mean, this guy, I think he was going to be like, I think he's a free agent. It was going to be his last year, I think in Miami, but he's playing so good and he takes you to the finals. You know, you know, how do you let, let him go? He's been a great leader. And I think, uh, you know, it's been huge. So every guy in her team has contributed that plays that plays. <laughs> 
I just have to ask, I mean, when you look at just the, the series in this game one, right, we're, we're going to hopefully have a, a few of these where we come back and we talk about what we're seeing in the series. But if there was a stat, you know, not to not to make this so stats oriented, but is there something to look at after the game? If you were a coach, if you're Vogel, if you're Spolstra, if you're on that staff, is it second chance points maybe? Or is it? Or is there something specifically you're like, we want to have control over this. We want to make sure we get to the free throw line 30 times or whatever it may be. We want to take 23s um, tonight. Whatever. What is there something like that you see in this series? Yeah, I, I think BJ and I are both analytics guys. And the analytics that we believed in back when we were playing and coaching was, you know, really simple. You know, uh, you know, turnovers, you know, mm-hmm. you know, who, who, you know, oh. That's Pat Riley right there. Is that, is that Pat Riley? <laughs> <laughs> he liked me, yeah. Uh, but, it, you know, so I think one of the things is turnovers. How many times, like, I think it was against Denver in game three or four, they got 20-something second shots, and, and Denver got two. Mm-hmm. You know, you get second shots, it's a second-chance play uh, that's huge for a team. Uh, and that's when Rodman played for both the Bulls and the Pistons. That's what he was about. He got your team second shots. And so, and then getting to the foul line, defensive field goal percentage with so many threes that are being shot more by, I think more by Miami. If they don't shoot the ball well, I don't think they have a shot. Mm. I think they have to shoot the ball well. And, and looking at this series, coach, that was my next question. When you look at the teams, who, who are you picking the the win the the win the NBA Finals this year? Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm gonna I'm I'm a huge Eric Spolster fan and friend, uh, but I'm I'm gonna pick the Lakers, and uh, and I think you know, you know the, the bubble has I I thought there was a time if you go back to when Milwaukee you know protested against what was happening in Kenosha, right. where there was a there was a chance the Lakers voted to go home, right? Okay. Right now, it's become a team of destiny, and they're going to win a championship. Can you imagine if they went home? Wow! Wow! So you know, and I, I think sometimes you know, uh, you know, I, I also thought coming in that they were going to be great, and they had like maybe when they were in that eight-game preseason. They played really good the first game. Then I thought they stunk. Yeah, they had growing pains. Yes. I thought they were awful. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then all of a sudden, the playoffs start. Lose game one, and it, but then man, they got it together every time. And so I, I kind of think it's it's their their time. And and we BJ and I know if you I everyone kept saying before the season they're going to be team to beat. I didn't see it, frankly. I really I didn't, didn't see it. Uh, but I'll tell you what, I thought we might have. Uh, the bubble would be unpredictable. It has to an extent. Uh, but if they win the thing, I think they're the team that deserved it. That's a great uh, That's a great final note on the Lakers. And, uh, Coach, we appreciate you joining, pushing through, and giving us a nice little preview of what to see uh, as we get in the finals. And we'd love to have you back as we get you know, past game one, as we get prepared <laughs> for game two, and, and see all the adjustments. Because I, I find it fascinating, because everything is you know, a wait and see. And then once we see what happens, we, we can figure it out from there. So yeah, and I like, I like take that, um, you know, that there's a, you know, a day off in between games. And two days off, I think, in between, like maybe two game two and three, but I think that's great because you will see adjustments, and that's that's the only time as coaches we earn our money, you know, and, and that happens, you know. And again, 
adjustments sometimes work and sometimes they don't. <laughs> but they, they really, I think you'll see at this level that, you know, the adjustments will be pretty good. But at this point, we really don't practice. We just walk through. And I think at this point also, it's all about making those guys, making sure what's between here, uh, they're at the top of their game. And I think they they can all see the end of the road now. And I think they're going to, I think we're going to see a great finals. I really do. Me too. Well, coach, uh, go ahead and call Pat Riley back and uh, we, 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 we'll, we'll let you go about your day. Uh, we, we apologize taking your time. And uh, thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming on and joining us. Hey, my pleasure. BJ, hey, hey. Go. As always, coach, you got to come back. I, 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 I find it fascinating. You, you got to break it down to us. You know, you got to break it down after game one. I mean, game, you got to let, let us know what's going on out there. I mean, this is this is fascinating stuff. Back in the old days, you worked for me and Chuck. <laughs> now I work for you. <laughs> we love a good role uh, reversal, coach. Thank you so much. All right, coach. Take care, guys.